Hey, what's up, guys? It's the Bottom Boom Podcast. I have two very special guests here today um, from Legacy Comics. Yeah, man, Patrick Hickey Jr. here, owner, editor-in-chief, Grant Pumba of Legacy Comics. This is Josh Adams, artist and doormat of Patrick Hickey Jr. <laughs> As He's most artists are. <laughs> Me and Pat go way back. I think at this point, it's it's close to 10 years. Dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm so know. sorry, too. Just when I think he, you know, he's out of my life, you know, it's like, oh, wait, he's doing comic books and I'm doing a podcast. So I guess we... Just when I think I'm out, they pull me pull back, me back in. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is really exciting, you know, for, for years when, you know, I was in school, you'd always been really passionate about comic books always highlighted whether it be indie the big two on your site review fix so what's it been like kind of like to put this together and you know where did the inspiration come from uh the inspiration came from when i was like 18 i i crafted what would eventually become Condry, and that was born from my love of mid to late 90s daredevil spawn sam and twitch just really sexy um noir and then mixed in with like my love of Frank Miller, Neil Gaiman and stuff. But then I couldn't find an artist. And uh, so then I just went and I adulted and I became a journalist and I was an editor at NBC and college professor. I taught some kid named Chris. That's just like amazing now. I'm super proud of him. And then I started writing books on video game history and I got into voice acting. But it's just like I never forgot about the comic. And then I finally found a great artist in Kieran Quinn. And when we were ready to start pitching to places, um, COVID happened. And then by luck, a indie comic book owner uh, reached out to me to be interviewed for Review Fix. And his article got a bunch of traffic. And he was like, if there's ever anything I can do for you. And I was like, well, actually. <laughs> and I showed him Conjury. And within a couple of hours, we were signed. And then um, as my wife says, I'm only comfortable at a place where I have a either no ceiling or I can be the boss. So after about eight months at Lesser Known Comics, just decided to do my own thing. Uh, we did a Kickstarter. We got supported in like three and a half hours. And the best part of that Kickstarter was um, I got to be on a podcast called the Loot Brothers Podcast. And then uh, I ended up meeting an amazing guy by the name of Daryl. And I met this man, Joshua Adams. And then we got to talking. And then Josh pitched me his project with Dan Evans, who's this amazing, wild American manga writer. Incredibly creative, dude. Super <laughs> creative. Like, oh my God. This guy's like on another wavelength. Like he thinks in a way. He's prolifically, like constantly creating. It's insane. Yes. So it's like Josh is like, boom, I got this. And then I'm just like, okay. But in order for this to work, we got to build up your name. Like we've got to make, because it's like, think about it. Every great artist and every great writer is known for more than one series. You know? Unless you're like Tolkien. You know, but, you know, pretty much like, you know, every great writer, great artist is like they've done multiple different things, different styles and that. So um, I we got to work on Sarita and then uh, Josh got more responsibility um, after um, I took sole ownership of Legacy Comics about three weeks ago. And um, he's I mean, if I had to give anyone like a title like of more than like what they are. It's so funny the way that things were like before, because now it's like before everyone was just like a writer or an artist. And then over the past three weeks, it's just like, I feel like every person has become more than the sum of their parts. So like one of our artists, Steve Conjay, has just like stepped up so much. Afram Jambalai, 
has gone to like cons with me and stepped up so much. And Joshua does like so much more than just like one person could like ever do. We're working on two series together, and I'm super excited for the future of his series, Godfoe, which we just released the Ash Can for, and uh, we're, they're working on a graphic novel. So that's kind of like the origin story of Legacy. A lot of really gritty, cool, noir stuff going on. But again, Godfoe is American manga. And now we've got like a comedy book, and we've got so much stuff coming digitally and physically over the next couple of months. So... It's really crazy. I've spoken way too much. Josh needs to speak. <laughs> you like the sound of your own voice, and it's I and so does it. everybody else. So it's okay. He's yeah, a voice he, actor, so you exactly. Know. <laughs> and and Chris, I gotta commend you because I know this is an audio format, but I'm looking at your bookshelf back there, and I see Dune on the on the on the top shelf, which is where it, it is. belongs. If you like Dune, you'll like the Godfoe stuff that we're doing. It's very psychological and philosophical science fiction. Uh, but with that Japanese uh, manga flavor. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure you'll like what we're doing, too. But, like, coming on board with Patrick was cool for me because, like, I've, I've been an artist my whole life. But to have a chance to work on something that was really going to actually going to be published and not just sitting around in my, in my studio or in my room that doubles as my studio here, it's just so exciting. And, like, to come in on something as gritty and raw and emotional as Sarita was, man, it was just an honor. And it was a blast to to partner with him on that. And everything we've done since has been fun too. I would say, you know, from personal experience, like part of why, you know, he, he's such a great, you know, teacher, educator friend, like, you know, for me, like seeing my stuff published through review fix gave me the confidence to kind of even like years later when I finally had the time and was, you know, like, I really want to get back into like that interviewing thing and stuff. Like I knew it was kind of easy because he empowered me all those years ago to be like, hey, like, you know, it's not that hard if you just put the work into it. And um, so it's cool to kind of see you kind of take, you know, your passion that you've had for years and be able to kind of like translate it and get it published because everyone likes seeing their name somewhere, whether it be on a byline, um, the cover of a comic a wanted book, poster, a wanted poster, you know, out of a milk jerk, a milk carton, a podcast. <laughs> it's not easy, like to create one, a company, but also a comic book company in, in, in the 2020s. So what's that been like, you know, obviously, like you've been doing like cons, signings and stuff like that. But has that been difficult at all? Like, especially with like some of the publishing challenges with, you know, with print and digital and all that? I think I did it the right way. I think it's a lot harder to sell a $40 video game book than it is to sell a $5 comic. So being able to say that I've sold thousands of $40 video game books has definitely like empowered me. It's made me focus on brand awareness uh, of the sell, of creating an environment in which people are comfortable to purchase your product and stuff like that. So that's been, that was crucial. And I think that's the reason why our Kickstarter was so successful because I brought over a lot of the people that were fans of my video game books i think without those video game books the comic book company doesn't get funded on kickstarter then like the voice acting too has helped tremendously because a bunch of the people that i've done voice acting for committed to our kickstarter and pledged without a reward so it's just like when you get hundreds of dollars from video game companies that don't want a reward i mean that says something about like what you bring to the table so like that stuff was great um i feel like our company really started to show what it was made of after the kickstarter when all of a sudden things weren't so easy. And um, I ended up getting COVID and I kept chugging away. 
you know, I had COVID, I was home, I was still doing what I had to do. But um, like some of the creases were starting to show. And um, I read a ton. And I read books on business a lot. And I read books on social media a lot and stuff. And it was just like, I, I read, a, I had read a book based off of the suggestion of WWE Hall of Famer, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett was talking about this book on his podcast. And I had read it like the next day I started reading it. And it was from one of the founding fathers of like General Electric. And it's just like, whether your company has a weak year or a weak quarter or a strong quarter, you let go of like anywhere from five to 10% of like your deadest weight. So it's like, you either get busy living or you get busy dying. And we were at a point a couple of weeks ago where it was just like, we we need we need to start doing something that like, we need to start moving in a more positive direction. And the thing was, we have, we've done nothing but move in a positive direction since we started. But it's just like, how do we speed things up? How do we work smarter? How do we, you know, because we're already working incredibly hard. So we made some decisions and um, it's been the best thing that we could do. The paper shortage sucks because I mean, it delayed like our shipment of summer books. So like we just did ZoloCon and ZoloCon was great in Pennsylvania. We sold a whole bunch of books, but I have like, we ended up getting our books for ZoloCon like two days after the con was over to the point where that was like, you guys can't see this, but this is me like biting my finger. Like that's an mm -hmm. Italian thing where it's just like, oh my God, because if there was no paper shortage, we would have had Sarita and Godfo for ZoloCon and we sold a ton of books at ZoloCon. So I'm just like, oh, like it was a great opportunity. We, I'm super grateful for being at ZoloCon, but we could have had an even better showing. But it's, those are good problems to have. It's definitely been a learning experience. It's hard to find people that like want to work the way that we work. And our our business structure is, is set up very similarly to like how some of the greatest video game companies in the world have started off with like, you're making products to sell, you know, if they do not sell, then you're going to have a hard problem making money, you know, and it's just like everyone's working together and stuff. And it's been stressful. It's been less stressful the last couple of weeks. When you see people buy your books at cons, when you and I'm sure Josh could speak to this, like it's starting to happen for him where it's like every day people are posting pictures with his books that aren't friends that aren't family. And it's like, wait a second, somebody in a state that I've never been to has my book. Like that stuff is starting to be rewarding. Last week we had orders from six different countries. So it was like, yeah, it's happening, you know? So stressful, but, but fun. Good problems. Yeah. And I'd say this, like the indie comic market, to be honest, is a little flooded. Like, especially like during pandemic, a lot of people that were, were not creators before finally had time where they were trapped at home and started making stuff. So like the idea of how do you stand out and be different in a very flooded market? I mean, it's quality, it's quantity. And I think part of it just has to come with like, we, we've reached a point now, and, and I know Patrick will agree, where we are a really well-oiled machine and we have a team that's strong across the board. There's not a weak link on that team. And I think when you look at so many of the, the Kickstarters, they're not, you know, you're not getting a Kickstarter for a, a brand and a, like you were, like Patrick was saying, you're not buying into a company. You're buying into this, maybe one guy, maybe two who have like a 20, maybe they've got 20 pages and all that you're seeing of what they're putting out there is, a couple of black and white drawings, maybe one page of se of sequences, and that's it. And you know what we're bringing to the table is so much more than that as a company. And like, it's not just oh, here's this one silly kind of silly novelty niche idea, and 
maybe there's an issue too three that comes out three years from now, or maybe this is all you ever get. Like we are, we're consistently putting stuff out and planning the next step and planning the next step so that anybody that looks at legacy comics and says, all right, I want to get on board with this. They're getting on board with something that's going to deliver again and again and again and again. And they're getting crime stories. They're getting comedy. They're getting sci-fi. They're getting like all these different genres. And, you know, we're genuinely trying to compete with the big dogs, with DC and Marvel. And, you know, I had somebody ask me on another show, like, how do you do that? How do you compete with giants like DC and Marvel? Like, well, we do what they do, but we do it better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we'd be better at their job than they are. And I think everybody on our team wants to do that. And we're like, everybody's hungry. Everybody has bills to pay (laughs) and everybody has a a genuine passion to see this stuff come to life. You know, it's not just, I'm pushing my stuff. I'm going to push Patrick's stuff. I'm going to put, I'm going to push Afram's stuff. I'm going to push Steve's stuff. Like everybody sees it as a team effort, not, there's no ego. There's no, my stuff is precious and your stuff isn't. Like we see this stuff as a team. And we we got like a group, a a Facebook group called the Legacy Lab where we just talk junk and, you know, throw up ideas and all this stuff. And I posted a picture in there one time of uh, uh, the movie Tombstone of like Wyatt and his brothers and saying like, you know, build a team so strong that nobody knows who the boss is. That's what we're trying to do. And I think that's Absolutely. what sets us out, you know, away from the pack as somebody to watch because we're genuinely trying to change the industry. That's dope. You know, like with change, like, and you talked about it, like when people buy into it, they, they're they really buying into, you know, people that are going to deliver, you know, like Kickstarter's filled with like a graveyard of like, you know, finance campaigns that, you know, maybe deliver one book, maybe maybe don't deliver that book. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, yeah, so you wait a year for it. Yeah. You wait, maybe some people have waited three years for it. Yeah. So, you know, for, for you guys, like, you know, reading, you know, a bit of Condry, like I, I definitely see like the inspirations from like Miller's daredevil back in the eighties, you know, that internal monologue and, and stuff sure. like that. Like what's it been like creating these worlds and stuff like that? And how fun has that been? You know, the stress of a business, is, and that's always going to be stressful. So what's the fun part been like, what's it been like drawing it, you know, creating things in the legacy lab? Josh, you want to start and I'll jump in? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll jump in. I know for me, like my first step with any of this stuff was this Sarita one shot. And, you know, like it, a lot of that was the, a lot of that was almost like an audition for me. It's can he draw, it's can he hit a deadline, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, you know, I will, I would say the pressure was on, but I also, I'm not going to say yes to something when I don't know if I can deliver it. So like I knew I could deliver on time. Uh, it was about delivering well. What I liked about it was, and and when you read Sarita, you'll you'll see it's an emotional gut punch. And to me, art, anything, any kind of art that's worth actually spending money on, it should make you feel something. And when I read the script he sent me, like it just the words on a page hit. Like there's a it 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 rips your heart out. And I feel like art should be provocative. It should be, there should be emotional content. You shouldn't be able to just walk away from it after you close the last page and say, okay, on to the next thing. It should stay with you. And I, my challenge to myself was 
I want there to be pages and panels in this one shot that stay with you. Like I want to draw something that's iconic. I want, you know, I want there to uh, this character to be so alive that you feel her pain, you know? And so for me, I just wanted to try to bring as much realism and as much like genuine emotion as I could to try to live up to the emotional stakes that, that Patrick had written. And, and hopefully I achieved that. That was my goal coming into it. And it was a lot of fun, but it was also, you know, I took very seriously, like, this isn't something I wrote. This is his story. This is a character he's trusting me with. I have to deliver on, on the, the emotional stakes and the, the, the scale of what he was trying to tell with that story. I mean, for me to hear that is just like, Mm. because my whole thing is like, I feel like if I deliver a script to an artist and there's no emotion, then it's going to be shit, you know? And it's always like my goal to get my artist as hyped up as possible. And the thing with Sarita is like, and the thing with most of the characters that I write and pretty much all of the characters in the legacy comics, like universe, they're, they're not superheroes. You know, like that that whole dun dun dun, dun, dun. like we don't I never wanted to do that. We had it for a little while. We do not have it anymore. Because I feel like writing real characters or writing about like, for example, Godvo, like is about real world themes, politics, government, people, and things like that. That's so much more interesting than, oh, I wonder what I have in my utility belt nonsense, you know? And it's just like for Condry. It's about a homeless guy that's like been given up on by society. And he just wants to find out like what happened to his father, why it happened. And he starts to put the pieces together. And along the way, he he meets a woman that's just as broken as he is, that looks completely different than him, that like is from a completely like different place, but they have so much more in, in common. And it's just like when you take like again, like Brian Michael Bendis and like Frank Miller daredevil and you mix it in like a little count of monte cristo and stuff like that classic literature that's what you get and it's like sarita would not have happened if i did not leave lesser known comics because i remember writing it and going to my former boss and being like i just wrote a one shot for sarita and it was just basically like that scene from family guy where like ringo star writes a song and paul mccartney <laughs> and john and like oh put it on the refrigerator oh ringo wrote a song blah, blah. and i'm just like no no you don't get it like this is really like you know and it's just like i learned so much there because it's just like i was the only other writer for that company at that time and um i had a lot more writing experience but my ideas weren't being given an opportunity. And I'm just like, I have books in Harvard, Yale, Stanford and stuff, and I can't get another book published by a place that's already publishing my books. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. So it's just like, once we got like Condry 4 out of the way, I was like, what I want to do is I want to do a one shot for Sarita to fully develop her character some more. And then I want to do a young, I want to do an expanded Condry origin story. And I want to use two completely different artists to tell this story because like Kieran is like my main Condry guy, but then I want to have two other artists do it. And I want to have them do it in their own style. And I want to showcase two artists that have not gotten an opportunity to do like full 24 page sequentials. So it's just like, after I met Josh, I was like, yeah, this is my guy. This is what I want. I want to do it with. So it's like, it just worked out really good. 
and it worked out so good that it was just like, yeah, man, like the second that like we made our executive shakeup and stuff like that, like Josh was invited with open arms into like the legacy lab. And I, I wanted, I told everybody separately. I was like, I, this guy, he's a rock star. I want him. I want you guys to treat him like one of us. He is one of us now. Like, and Josh took off, like took off like a rocket, you know? And, um, it's funny because it's like when you hear Josh say like, you know, we do what like the big boys do, but only better. It's like I take any six to eight page ash can that like Marvel or DC or Image or Dark Horse releases like on free comic book day and put that next to Godfo, put that next to the job, put that next to Legend of the Night Owl, put that next to Renfield and it's not worse. It can hold its own with those. And then our 24-page issues that we've released so far, Conjury 4 and Sarita, you can put those up against any indie comic book company in the world. Like, I fully believe between the writing and the art. And then when Legend of the Night Owl 1 releases in the fall and the other stuff that we have coming comes out in the fall, it's going to be the same exact thing. So it's just like, we're a quarterly company right now. We're, re we're releasing books quarterly now. Um, the whole goal is to eventually get to monthly like every other company, you know, and I've been super lucky that I'm being mentored by some great people in the comic book and video game industry that helped me every step of the way. When I have advice before meetings, I could call up people that have sold millions of video games and thousands of comics and be like, this guy wants to talk about this. Oh my God, where do I start? And they're like, okay, take a breath. And I, they walk me through everything. And then they're like, go kick ass at your meeting. So it's just like, I have a super awesome, like support structure and I'm surrounded by super talented people that like want to work. So, I mean, I feel like Sarita too is an important book for us because she's a superhero, but she's not a superhero. She's relatable. Everyone knows a woman in, in a neighborhood like that, that sticks her head out the window, that knows everyone's business, that doesn't take shit from anybody, and that wears her emotions out on her sleep. So it's just like, I wanted to write a comic that people would be able to relate to, whether they love comics, whether they don't really uh, love comics. It's like my grandmother's 88 and I gave her a copy of Sarita. So I'm waiting on to see if she likes it or not. But it's just like an 88 year old that's like never read a comic before can read Sarita, I think, and get something out of it. You know, the same way I think a 15 year old could read Sarita and go, okay. So like, that's like, that's, that's my goal as a creator. And especially like with this book, you know, being a quarterly company, like, you know, how are you guys getting, you know, the books in front of people? You know, I think like part of the struggle with like comic books sometimes is like, you know, there's so much out there, whether it be manga, comic books, video games, you know, it's, it's a struggle to like hold people's attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. Part of like why kind of like the image boom went away was like those books were delayed. You know what I mean? People were excited on the monthly basis um, to see them and didn't. So like, how are you guys like, you know, managing that to kind of like keep the interest going while sort of being on that quarterly schedule? Can I jump in on that? Yeah, absolutely. Because you brought up you brought up Image, and I think we all kind of remember when Image first like hit with Spawn and you know some of the Young Bloods, all that kind of stuff. Initially, those first few books were so different from what Marvel and DC were doing. So much more creative freedom. So much more. You know, they didn't have the comics code authority that they had to, to stay inside. So the content was more mature. But very quickly, what happened is you had one or two guys that were like legitimately focused on telling the story they wanted to, to tell. And then the rest of that company was just pumping out garbage that they didn't care about. So you'd get an issue one of something 
It's collector's edition, you know, special collector's item, full cover hologram crap. And then there'd never be an issue, too, because they didn't even plan beyond, you know, just let's... And Liefeld was one of the worst about that. Like, he put out a new book all the time that never went anywhere. I think the way that you stand out and get in front of people, yeah, we get, we get on podcasts, we do conventions, we do signings, things like that. We make connections with individuals and, and give them the time. Like if they, if they comment, we talk to them, we respond to them, we thank them for their interest and all that. But I think the biggest thing is telling a story that actually matters. And if we care about it, the people who buy it, will want more of it. Like that's, you can pick up so many books off of the stand and they come out monthly, bi-monthly, whatever. You can look at it and tell that they didn't care about it. The dialogue is horrible. The art is phoned in. Like you can read that book and there's not a page anywhere in it where you can look at that and say, yeah, this person cares about what they created. And I, I just believe that any book you pick up from legacy, you're going to see in every frame of it how much we care about what we're doing. That's what it does sell. It does sell. People will know if you phoned it in or not. And so for me, I think that's how we, you know, really make that splash is by actually putting out something that our our blood, sweat, and tears are in. Absolutely. I, I think too, um, I think the good thing about being quarterly is that we can refine our process. I think that like we can really get an idea of how well our books are going to do by having pretty lengthy pre-orders. I mean, like for Godfo, I mean, we did like a month and a half, two month pre-order and we really like got an idea of like what the market was for the book, which is important. And a lot of this is like taking calculated risks creating a lot of like um, low risk, high reward situations. So that's like why we went with ash cans mostly for the Kickstarter. And that worked out well in our benefit. It's like we had a meeting on Tuesday and we were just talking about like, we could really do whatever we want as long as it makes sense, you know? And I think being a quarterly company for now gives us an opportunity to really build those relationships. Like, you know, Josh was, Josh was saying, you know, he said it so eloquently that um, if you create a story that people are connected to, they'll wait three months to read the ne next issue. Would it be nicer if they could wait a month? Sure. But that's where like social media comes in play. That's where like, I mean, we're pumping out videos. We're pumping out, oh, we have a Patreon where we're, I do like a weekly rant where I talk about like what's going on in the company. Like we, we offer like a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that a lot of indie companies don't. And we've got a lot of cool stuff coming for the full. We totally understand that like digital is important. So like we're going to have a lot of digital offerings and stuff. And like our library our catalog is getting larger because we're trying to like be more than like you know the gritty like you know company like whether it's our manga or our you know our regular comic book offerings we're, we're we tend to be like on the grittier side you know but like we're, we're we're stretching out a little bit we're really like kind of still finding ourselves as a company but like at the same time too we have a strong core of people that are working super hard for us and we're attracting new people every single day. So that's like, those are the hard parts and those are like the benefits. But at the same time too, it's just like, if we would have came monthly out of the gate, like you're putting people under a ton of pressure. And then the thing is too, for us right now, like a month isn't enough to market a book. I don't think a month is enough to market a book. And then like asking someone to, churn out like 24 pages of sequential in a month. I mean, Josh could do it, but 
I don't know if like everyone can do it. And it's not, Josh is a full-time teacher. I'm a full-time college professor. So it's just like, how do we find that sweet spot of being able to turn out work that we're proud of? Because this is the thing too, when we had our little, you know, executive shakeup and stuff like that, one of my big issues was this company will not release anything that we do not want to be reviewed ever. You know, like we're not going to be in a situation where we're, we're releasing books just to make ourselves happy. Because my whole thing is like, and I mean, Chris, you know this, you were my student. It's just like, I take deadlines incredibly serious. I have not, I've been a journalist for 18 years. I have never missed a deadline. I mean, the day that my grandfather died, I wrote. The day that my mother died, I wrote. The day that my son was born, I was writing a chapter mm. of my PlayStation book on my phone. Like, I take deadlines incredibly serious. And I try and push that on on my team. It's a challenge sometimes working with people in a different discipline because like comic book artists and comic book writers are very different from journalists. And you've got to cut people more slack and stuff like that. But like we found like a sweet spot, like quarterly right now works best for us. And it, it allows us to see who re, who's really in it because it's just like perfect example. We just released like uh, the pre-release, the pre-order for the job one. And we're going to fi find out over the next couple of weeks who who's really in it because the job zero did great at our cons and it did great in our Kickstarter. But now it's just like, now who still remembers it? Who's still, who's still in the mix and things like that. So right now quarterly is probably the best thing for us. That's good. You know, and you have to find that sweet spot, especially, mm -hmm. you know, having those other things, like you can easily burn yourself out and you know, it's, sure. a, it's a stressful business, even when it works. <laughs> Absolutely. So, like, yeah. even when you're in it for, for the passion and things are working right, like, you know, there's obviously those deadlines, there's fans asking for things, you know, when you have sure. a Patreon or, you know, a Kickstarter, you have paying customers that are expecting something. It's not like sure. something where you're like a newsletter where you put it out like, hey, guys, like, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like they want to see the, the end of these stories, or they want to see them connect. Well, and I think that I think the difference is that there's a there's a, a enormous, enormous difference between a casual reader and a fan. And we want fans, you know, and if those fans begin to feel like they're part of it, like it, they feel like legacy family, like when you can live, when your fans can reach that point where they feel like they, the, the, the brand kind of belongs to them too. I think that's, I, I think that's why, cause I grew up with the, you know, make mine Marvel enough said kind of mentality. Mm. And I think that's something that's missing. So yeah, I, I love the idea of of fans, not just the casual reader. I mean, I will, of course, if you see it and say, "Oh, I want to pick this up," please buy our books. <laughs> but you know what we're hoping for is that person that, like you said, they want to see the end of this story because they're invested. Yeah. After um, Conjury Three came out, I had someone from Buffalo message me that I had never met before, and they were like, um, "I'm going to cosplay as Conjury," and I was like wait, what? And he's like, yeah, like, I love the character. It speaks to me, blah, blah, blah. And I have, I've basically spoken to that person like every day ever since. And we're talking like that was since like November of last year. And they ended up supporting our Kickstarter. And they have another friend that's a cosplayer too. And she's amazing. And she's prepping her cosplay for Beverly Dero from the job. So it's just like, we're this small little indie comic book company that has cosplayers. Like, I mean, that says, if that doesn't say something, like, I don't know what does. That's awesome. And, yeah. 
you know, now, like, thank you guys for the time. Like, again, it's crazy to kind of just having the company is a success story, especially starting sure. a new comic. You, you've seen like what's happening with certain comic book companies now kind of like shuttering and they're bigger and stuff like that. So, and with paper shortages, but where can fans find, find you guys and also where can they buy the books? So if you go to legacycomics.com, C-O-M-I-X.com, right in the upper left-hand corner, there's a shop button. Our comics are also available on Comixology on amazon and uh they're also available on instagram we have an instagram shop so if you go to instagram and you check us out and you like all the videos and you know all those things and you just go to our shop on instagram so also like new york city um we're pretty open to like doing signings like wherever um we just did solo con i'm gonna be in seattle in a couple of weeks at pax west i'm definitely gonna have comics with me so but yeah for the time being legacycomics.com and comicsology we want to sell you our books, so we're easy to find. We're not hiding from you. <laughs> Super easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I've I've had situations like where I've gone on Comic Sense, which is like a really cool comic book group on Facebook, and I told people I I live in Brooklyn, and I'm going to be walking around Brooklyn today, and I'm going to have like 25 copies of Condry. So if anyone wants Condry, and I've sold those days eight nine copies of of Condry, so just like you know we'll. How many comic book companies do stuff like that? You know, so we're totally down to like reaching people in as many different ways as possible. We think our stories speak to people, great art, great stories um, by people that you don't know. And that's I think I think that's like probably the best thing about us right now. Like if you look at Sarita, you're going to go, this is really, really pretty. Who in the hell is this guy? You know, and then you're going to do a Google search and you're going to see Godfo and you're going to see Sarita and you're like, well, I need to see more of this guy. And my whole thing is like, I need to make sure that we get to see more of him from us because he's going to go somewhere else one day and he's going to be a rock star. So like, that's kind of like what we're, what we're trying to do. We're trying to give like first time creators or, or creators like, cause I mean, we're going to be in a situation soon where we're bringing on some more people like creators that you may know or creators that like haven't been around in a while that you're just like, Oh okay, they're doing stuff for them now. I mean, we had LeBeau Underwood from DC and Marvel Inc. a cover for us. And um, we're making connections every single day. So it's just like, Paul is going to be super fun for us. Our, our website, Legacy Comics, is updated every single day with work in progress, with news. Our socials are updated vigorously every single day. So like, just, you know, be along for the ride. That's all I could say. Awesome. And, and Josh, do you have like a commission list or um, how can people reach you? Uh, I do not have a commission list. That's a good idea, though. Mm -hmm. I don't know when I'd have time to do it when I'm busy <laughs> doing everything that Mr. Patrick tells me to do. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Just Josh Adams. I, I, I'll talk to anybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. Uh, but, yeah, most of the best place to find any of it is, is through the website, through Legacy Comics. Awesome, so, awesome. Chris, though, I have to turn the tables on you. And I know you're tired, <laughs> but I have to turn the tables on you. And I have to ask you what you thought of Sarita. I'm very curious. I actually read uh, Conjury. That's the one I read. Conjury mm -hmm. was, um, I loved it just because, you know, a couple of weeks ago on um, Marvel Unlimited, I actually um, read mm -hmm. all of Frank Miller's Daredevil. So, like, mm -hmm. every issue from, like, when he, he drew it um, to when he started writing it. And mm -hmm. I just loved how it was able to, you know, have that inner monologue and be able to kind of like have that feel of like New York, you know, obviously like we, we you know, sure. we, 
grown up in New York. Yeah. And there's something great about being put in a in a certain time, like that noir feel and stuff with yeah. the monologue. And also the art, the way it was inked, it felt very, you know, rough in a way where I felt like I was placed into the world. Yeah, man. That's like uh, Josh, like right away nailed, like I joke around with people and I call like the typical like Pat Hickey page. The typical Pat Hickey page has like no panels in it and is like all monologue. You know, and it's just like three or four like pictures and it's just like monologue, 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 like down the whole page. And it was just like, I didn't even have to tell Josh that in Sarita. And it's like, he nailed it like eight or nine different times. He nailed it. Like one splash page. He's like, oh, you know what? I changed your story a little bit. I'm putting a splash page right here. And I'm like, at first I'm like, okay, I got to see this. Who does and then he think as, he is? <laughs> well, not that. Well, I mean, because I trusted you, but it, but it was just like, oh. He's comfortable, and I love that. I'm like, he he's comfortable. And then I saw the page, and I'm just like, it was like Vulcan mind meld. <laughs> it was so good. So, but yeah, thank you, Chris. Like that means yeah. a lot. That's what we're that's what we're aiming for. We're yeah. trying to bring back those great comics that, like, of course, like there's some political and like some stuff going on, but it's just like it's not about all this stuff that's mm. on TV all the time. It's just like really good stories, you know, like. Where you're not like, oh, a Democrat wrote this or a Republican wrote this or is this person pro this or is this person pro that? Well, it's like, no, just read we're the story pro making and have money. a good time. <laughs> <laughs> we're, pro, we're pro feeding our kids. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So. I am pro air conditioning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys. So with that, bada boom. Bada boom. Bada boom. Thank you for listening to the Bada Boom podcast. Keep the conversation going on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Get in the comments on our YouTube channel and let us know what you'd like to hear next. And please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen.